This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. And today we're going to do a commentary, which we love doing. Uh, it's kind of you've you've done hundreds of commentaries. Yes. If not thousands. Hundreds so far, but Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll get you we'll get you over to a thousand. <laughs> We'll give you a plaque or something. Thanks. For 1,000 commentaries. Uh, But today we're going to do a commentary on the first season episode, Balance of Terror. Mm. Sounds scary. I've never seen this episode before. It's okay. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's the the first episode on the fourth disc of your Blu-ray set, or just in the middle of your Netflix queue. Yep, yep. Depending on how you're watching it. I'll be watching it with the original effects. What do you got? I'm watching it with the original effects. Ooh. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll commentary on the uh, the effects then. Yeah. All right, Mike, you want to get us started? Sure. Uh, let's start at zero on the count, the counter. And um, we will, we have it paused on black. We'll give a countdown and we will start it up in three Two, one, start. Excellent. And there is the Enterprise flying through space. The pilot Enterprise? No, no, it's the... I couldn't tell. And here we have the wedding ceremony, which was the basis for the the ceremony in Deep Space Nine when Sisko married Cassidy which was the basis for my wedding. So the dialogue <laughs> written in this scene was used in my wedding. That makes it makes your wedding canon. Yeah. We had to change some of it, which to me was amusing. I don't think that anyone else got the joke aside from my wife, but you know, we had Brandon do the ceremony and you know, it starts off with like, you know, one of the the greatest pleasures of being a starship captain. So we had to change that to like one of the the greatest pleasures of being a universal life church minister, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I think everyone else in the room was like, "What the frack is he talking about? This is ridiculous." I don't think anybody understood you. <laughs> That's okay. I wish I had known you. I wish that 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 I could have been privy to this. Well, it was such a short ceremony that I've got the entire text on my iPhone, so I can just text it to you. <laughs> So this is kind of sad, a kind of sad. Now, did looking. Brandon have a hot chick staring at him the whole time? Um, no, not unless you you count my wife. Oh. But uh, yeah, no, he was just up there by himself <laughs> with a uh, a copy of a hardcover of the um, the Batman uh, Chronicles <laughs> as a prop because you need a book, right? Okay, so yeah. We were like, well, Batman is good. And then when, when my aunt did the reading, which was uh, the the tale of the two Klingon hearts, you know? Yeah. We used uh, the Okuda's uh, Star Trek Encyclopedia. So. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so now they're off to, to battle, um, which, you know, ha- bookending this, like, the, 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 this, honestly, I mean, this episode's good and everything. I know that people hold it in very, very high regard and and I do too but to me like the thing that that really really works better than anything else is that little bookend which kind of like shows the cost of war you know and mm-hmm. the idea that like this person was going to get married and then her husband dies spoilers and you know that's sad 
Yeah, it, it could have started with, you know, the usual, we're on the bridge, and oh, there's outposts that are getting knocked out. We should do something about that. But I think, yeah, the bookends really elevate it beyond, uh, you know, just a, oh, well, we've got this mission today. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we were, it was joy, and now we're in fear and worry. And Yeah. So here we first find out about Romulans. Romulus and Remus. Yes. Which don't doesn't get mentioned again until Star Trek Nemesis. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. I, I wonder, like watching this episode, I've I've often wondered, like, were they like, we wanna have a new villain called the Romulans and blah 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 blah. Or if this guy was like, look, here's a story, right? And it's going to be about racism, and I want to make these these villains who are similar to Vulcans and do a whole thing with that. And they were just like, yeah, 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 that's good, do that. And then afterwards, they were like, these Romulans, you know, we, we built up a lot of history with them here. We can use them again. I wonder just how that how that all played out. Yeah. I don't know. I have a feeling it was that way and not, you know, them saying we need a new villain. Yeah. Because I think they were using the Klingons primarily for that. That was the intention. Now, does that sign say Rami or Rom 2? It says Romulus, and instead of Remus, like he established in dialogue, it says Rom II. I don't know. Rom I I. Huh. Could that be the uh like a moon? No, probably not. That's no moon. <laughs> it could be space station. I like that uh Kirk is now giving the entire crew a history lesson. Yeah, it's weird and also um Spock, sorry. Spock, yeah. It becomes problematic for the rest of Star Trek's history, of course, because they're right. like, this was before we had that crazy technology of view screens and no one could see each other. And it's so crazy to think that someone could do that. Surely it's going to take like 300 years to figure that one out. <laughs> And now they always well, need to come up with some other explanation, even though he explicitly says it's because it was before, you know, view screen technology was created or whatever, subspace, whatever it was, you know. Yeah. Now they're like, oh, oh, it was, you know, not compatible or, oh, oh, there were ion storms or something. <laughs> How do you have a whole war with somebody without ever seeing them? How do you stop a war without seeing them? Like, you you can't really have peace treaties and stuff. I'm going to email you this peace treaty to sign it, I guess. But maybe that was some of the commentary on it. You know, like the the idea that technology has gotten to a point. I mean, this is in the 60s, right? So we're talking about nuclear airstrikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the idea of being able to wipe out an entire civilization without even putting a soldier on the ground, you know? Or seeing your enemy. Okay. Yeah. So, there might have been some of that going on. But I think a lot of it, too, was just a convenient plot device to say, like, this is our enemy, and we don't know what he looks like. Um, Which, in itself, I guess, is is a commentary, too, so... Right. And there's still Earth outposts by the, at this point in the scripting. Instead of Federation? Right. Styles already showed that he uh he had people who served in the Romulan War, relatives, so or, or setting up the uh 
I'm racist because my grandparents were racist. Yeah. Which which does tie into the uh the whole World War II thing. Mm-hmm. Uh and people being racist against Japanese. Yeah. Which is interesting in you know, uh Roddenberry commentating on that just by having Styles serving next to a Japanese officer. Yeah, that's true. And not having a problem with him. Mm-hmm. Because Earthlings have put aside their conflict with each other. Yeah. And we're now just racist against aliens, so <laughs> And here's the happy couple. Oh, lovebirds. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> oh, they're oh, they're on see, that's not right. They're they're in the same he's her superior officer. They shouldn't be dating. That's not I mean, there's unnecessary favoritism and, and stuff with that. I don't think a military would sit for that. It's not a military, though. Remember? Um, this episode. <laughs> so now there's a lot of outposts gone. Nobody knows what's up. Shooting through their shields. I like the lighting. This episode's got a lot of good lighting in it. Yeah, it's like they tried to sort of go for that submarine effect of, you know, it being dark and... uh, Yeah. Instead of being evenly lit, this background here, it's got the shadow across it, kind of making the, the ceiling look lower. Yeah, it's true. Because the, the bridge is really tall. Yeah. Lots of highlights. What's his name? Finnerman? Jerry Finnerman? Is that the dude's name? I don't recall. He's good. He he was really solid. I mean, I think we've said this before, but like, it it is kind of crazy how progressive the, the look on, on the original series was. Yeah. You know? I mean, everyone sort of dismisses it because it's like, oh, look, there's a bunch of primary colors and is very cartoonish in a way and everything like that. But, I mean, the stuff that they were doing on it was also uh, very sophisticated um, lighting-wise and um, movement-wise and all that stuff. So, yeah. I like the uh, the effect of the fire bar right underneath the camera. <laughs> Yeah. That's always yeah. good. Things are on fire, and they're always on fire right in front of the camera. <laughs> and there we get our first look at the Romulan Warbird. But they're too far away to do anything. Oh. I like how the view screen knew to cut in so that you could see him dying. Yeah. They don't there's a lot of dramatic camera moves in the in the view screens. Mm-hmm. Computer really is a good editor. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they load it with, you know, Final Cut Pro and all that stuff. And the artificial intelligence memories of famous directors. Oh yeah. I wonder if you can do that. Do you think they can set their view screen to, like, the auteur of their choice? They're like, like, Kirk is like, well, I want, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson for sure, since he's the best. <laughs> he's got all those dynamic camera moves and the whip pans and whatnot. But then, like, Picard is like, I think I'm going to go with someone like Jim Jarmusch. No, He's French, so he's like, Godard. I'm going to go with Godard. <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, man, we got to figure that out. we got to figure that out for all of them now. Archer? I don't know. Spielberg. Spielberg? Okay. The one, the sense of wonder and stuff, I think that, that Archer would get a kick out of... Uh, Spielberg. Out of, out of that direction. Which would be a lot of 
people not really looking at the camera, but looking at something past the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in awe of whatever it is they're looking at, but never, not really showing you what it was that they're looking at. Yeah. Cisco, I think, would probably go with someone from, like, film noir or something like that. Mm-hmm. That'd be my guess. Uh, maybe, maybe Howard Hawks. I don't know. And and Janeway. I mean, she she's all into like the Victorian stuff, right? Right. So probably like Merchant Ivory, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> and JJ Kirk. I think probably JJ probably JJ Abrams. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> You know, this view screen doesn't have enough lens flares in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got to acknowledge the director of uh, Star Wars Force Awakens. Yep, yep. He's a big fan of that and super... He's a big fan of that movie. <laughs> Here's Styles um, being overly paranoid. Yep. But Sulu agrees with him. That there may be a spy, because we don't know what they look like. Yep. Any of us could be a Romulan. A dun-dun-dun. And this is something, too, that, you know, was a big deal at the time. You know, there was the whole stuff with, you know, the communist threat and all that stuff. Right. I mean, there's like a million episodes of The Twilight Zone, which are all about this, right? Right. Invasion of the Body Snatchers and all that stuff. So just because they're talking, we can now... That should give us a pinpoint on a camera on their bridge. Even if they're not talking to it. Yeah, because, you know, you can hear sounds. The camera's got a nice movement and and a zoom and dramatic sounds. Yeah. Spock's like... That's dad. <laughs> See, that's a very Paul Thomas Anderson move right there. That zoom in. Mm-hmm. Now, if they like whip panned across. <laughs> yeah. And Spock's just like. Spock's kind of looks like he's, he's, he's like getting a kick out of this. He's like, yeah, yeah. All right. This is going to be fun because. <laughs> I'm going to have to explain this. You should have explained it before. Yeah. They kind of look like me. What? Huh? But he didn't know, did he? No, he didn't know. How could he not know? I don't know where I don't know where you don't teach people this. Well, the same way that they didn't know, right? Cuz he had never seen them. Yeah, but I guess Vulcans trying to hide their But but average I mean, like, past maybe. But that's like way way back. Like even in this right. episode he's like if we have a common ancestor, blah 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 blah. Right? Right. It's not until later on when they do, like, get into their genealogy or whatever. Yeah, the whole history of the split and the reunification. Yeah. Good line. Yeah. Get somebody else. Just at this point already... Yeah. You can tell he's not going to work very well. <laughs> I want one of those wooden discs. I'm sure I can make one. Yeah, I'm sure if you go to the RPF or whatever, there's someone who has them, right? Right. Kind of like pads. You got one for each of them. Speaking of which, have you ever seen Blue Valentine? No. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Check it out. It's actually really good. But uh the <laughs> there's a scene where they go to um like one of those, you know, sort of like romantic getaway places, you know? Where, mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, well, we have a choice between like Passion Cove or or the Future Room or whatever." And they choose the Future Room and it's like got all like, you know, stainless steel and everything like that and lots of lights blooping all over the place and stuff like that yeah and then they have like kind of like a 
a display panel or whatever, and it is totally straight up just an Elkar's panel. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I want to go there now. <laughs> so Mark Leonard, here he is. Uh, this is his first appearance on Star Trek. Right. right. I guess they figured he looked good in the ears, so they made him Spock's dad. And then he also I don't played. Know how Klingon. he got in? How did he get involved in the Klingon thing? I th- I don't know. I think they just wanted him, right? I don't, I don't know. know. It was weird because it is like a different set of people. At whatever. So he's yeah. played a human, a Vulcan, a Romulan, and a, or not a human, but a Vulcan, a Romulan, and a Klingon. Yeah. Right. The first Romulan you see, the first Vulcan besides Spock you see, really? and the first Klingon you see in the movies. Yes. Because what was Journey to Babel before a muck time? Mm-hmm. Isn't huh. it? I I d I don't know. No, no, it's not. No, it's not, because then you would really be wondering why uh why Sarek isn't at their wedding. Because we'd are, we would have already met him. Okay, so he's not So, there. yeah, okay. never mind. I thought I read that somewhere. I was wrong. I like these scenes in the in the Romulan ship. They're good because, I mean, it, it's cool to see the other perspective and the idea that, like, here's a guy who is um, Kirk's equal in a sense as far as strategy is concerned, or almost equal. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so they're testing to see if they're ready to take on the Federation. Right. I love Mark Leonard. Yeah, he's good. I just saw him in Unification. Oh, yeah. And he's super good in that as a, you know, Alzheimer's Vulcan. Mm-hmm. So passionate. He's always passionate. Yeah. I always liked him in, like, Star Trek Three. I thought he was cool in that. Yeah. There's, like, those sh- sh- shots, those super close-ups of his lips as he's talking, you know? It's just like, wow. So this episode, it was written by Paul Schneider, and uh, if, if if you guys haven't heard the uh, episode of Commentary Trek Stars with, with John D.F. Black, who was the producer at the time, they, they actually tell a story about how um, he was late with this script, or he was late to a meeting or something like that, <laughs> and and he called to say that he had a flat tire on on top of a hill and he got out to change the tire and the spare tire rolled all the way down the hill and and he had to go chase after the tire and that's why he was late with his script for Balance of Terror. So, there you go. <laughs> and everybody thought that he worked entirely too hard on an excuse wasn't that the thing yeah if they're like had... you know you could just make something up <laughs> if you had spent that time writing the script we'd have it by now look at that book yeah so here they're talking about cloaking devices and whatnot this is the first time we see a cloaking device in star trek isn't it mm-hmm it's a lot of firsts for Star Trek. But not firsts for, I mean, if you go by Enterprise timeline, it's not a first for anything. No, not even the first time they meet Romulans, apparently, right? Or see Romulan cloaking devices. Yeah. or Which is one of the problems with Enterprise, I guess. Yeah. So what's Kirk's book? I don't Can know. Get back to that? I mean, it's like the history of the Romulan War. Maybe. Oh, I know what it is. It's a copy of uh, 
the, the Batman Chronicles, which he's using <laughs> for the wedding, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why he's still carrying it around. Well, you know, there's some good stuff in there. They've got all the original issues, you know, that Bill Finger wrote. And I think maybe the first time you see the Joker is in there. Star Trek. So what's the excuse for having Styles on the crew, on the, in these meetings? The same excuse they have for having every other random person who we only see once in these meetings, you know? You're the guest star. I guess we'll uh, talk to you. I do like that. I mean, uh, uh, I've read people uh, complaining that like crushers in all the meetings on, on next generation, but McCoy's in all these meetings too, even though it really has nothing to do with, uh, you know, the health of the ship. Yeah, she's still a senior staff member. I mean, the way that I see it is it's like you bring in all your department heads for these things just in case you need... I mean, why is Troy there? That makes even less sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> Table of Comets. Hmm. Because they do... So they're... Are they study happen to be studying comets, and that's why they're gonna like go hide in one? Yeah, they just Spock's just like, oh, there's a comet over here. Here, I just happen to have this book on comets. <laughs> he gives it to Spock <laughs> so that Spock can. It's a class four comet. What's a class four comet, Spock? I don't need a book. He pushes it down. <laughs> I have it on my iPad, of course. Why do they have a book of comments? Why do they have a book? Why do they have a book of comments? Why do they have a book of comments in the room? <laughs> there's, it's not like there's a bookshelf in here that they were just like wandering around being like, oh, maybe we'll talk about comments in this meeting. And then they don't even use the book. They don't even really reference it, do they? No. Mm. Because Spock doesn't need it. He's got it all memorized. There's a comet. They're going to go hide in it. See, if it wasn't for what was going on in the world today, they wouldn't be able to hide on a comet, right? Yeah, without this uh, this lander that we put on a comet? Right. We, they... Maybe the people who landed that comet ended up writing that book. Yeah, yeah. The the great thing about like watching these without the sound, it's kind of like that. Uh, that who who did the black and white Raiders of the Lost Ark thing? Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Yeah. Pointing out everything. It's the same thing with with this. Uh, watching an episode without the sound you really get you you can tell all the moves and you really start looking at the at the composition of these mm-hmm. and it's not just like well we need these people on you know in this frame there's a lot of dramatic moves for dramatic reasons and i don't think he gets enough respect for that yeah that's true i mean the other thing that you do see in that too is like there's a lot of dialogue in these things you know there's a lot of like people sitting around talking for a long time whereas like you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark and that thing just moves you know mm-hmm. it just keeps going but that's the nature of television they're passing through the comet to hide themselves and then shoot out the other side and shoot them Get him. It is cool to kind of see these strategies, you know, as they play out and everything like that. I wonder how much research they did in terms of naval battles and everything, since that's obviously what this is a reference to, even down to the, you know, like, we need to be quiet so that no one hears us, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which to me, that always amazed me that that was actually a thing 
in submarine battles, you know, that, I mean, you could hear someone talking through the water, you know. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. But I don't think you can do that in space. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not a thing. Maybe have the... If it was, you know, they could have the, the Romulans singing the Romulan National Anthem really loud. Yep, yep. That'd be cool if they referenced a movie that wasn't out yet. <laughs> Eventually, this book will be written. <laughs> but it's the future. They could reference things that hadn't existed yet. That's true. That's because true. they will have already have existed. Yeah. Oh. I love crawling underneath <laughs> it's crawling cool. underneath the panels and like look at all this weird random stuff we threw underneath here. I like it. It's like sparks and everything. It's really a good way of adding production value in a very cheap way, you know? You have a panel underneath in an area that you, of the bridge that you normally don't see. Throw a bunch of crap in there which you don't see, and it's like, wow, this ship is intricate. So they're running away from this bolt. In reverse warp, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Because he asked for emergency warp, so they're backing up at warp, and this blast is still following them. Are they backing up, or did they turn around and we're just looking at the reverse angle? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The remastered effects might have the nacelles in the back. Yeah. And there's Janice Rand. Rand's like, should I continue the log entry? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not like you're doing uh, anything else here, you know? I'll speak in the omniscient voice that I normally do. Is the, is the coffee done yet or not? Because well, priorities. She's way too close to him there. <laughs> but this is part of the shame that we, you know, that we lost her. Yep. The man, you know. Oh, she kind of she kind of grabbed his hand as as she was standing up. Well, of course she did. Wouldn't I, mean, I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I I do, I don't know. I see why the producers were like, you know, we really don't want to have to tie Kirk down to one woman. But I I do like that the relationship that that could have happened yeah i really don't think that the producers really were like we don't want to tie him down to one woman or even if they were you know you can still have rand on this show yeah like yeah. the money penny thing like we brought up in the episode yeah. money penny but hey you know spending what is it now like a year and a half thinking about this the sulu show just thinking about all the things that they could do with it you know, we, we were talking, I think, off mic, but they could totally bring on Janice Rand on that show. Oh, yeah. If they ever were to do that show. That would be amazing. That's all we need. All we need is Sulu and Rand. I mean, yeah. you could pretend that Tuvok had already Yeah, I actually looked that up. Off. Like, how, how old would Tuvok be? Tuvok it wouldn't be born yet, but that hasn't stopped them before. Check off. So... You could bring Tuvok onto that show. Oh yeah, because we're talking new, new Rand, and new, new Rand and new Money Penny. Yeah, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could do it. It's gotten to the point now where I've thought so much about this theoretical show that if they don't do that, I'm going to be disappointed in whatever they say that they're doing yeah they could See, that's be like the problem and then if they do announce it you'll be like no it'd be so much better if you did this one thing that i thought of three years ago <laughs> they could be like iris Stephen bear and ron moore are coming back 
to uh, relaunch Deep Space Nine. And I'd be like, really, guys? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. New Sulu. Let's go. Yeah. Now, if they said Iris, Stephen Bear, and Ron Moore are coming back to do New Sulu, I'd be like, oh, my there God. There we go. <laughs> oh, my God. So we've got phaser depth charges in this episode. That's cool. Never I don't know how much again. depth there is in space, but you know. Sure, there's depth. There's width and height, and I guess so. Multiply that, and there's depth. I guess so. Not necessarily the same depth definition of a depth charge, but yeah. The lighting, the lighting in this episode. That's good. Now, is that square box in the original graphics supposed to be the reflection off the ship of the Romulan ship or just a reflection off the camera when they were making the effect? I can't tell if they're actually hitting it or not. I always saw that as just a sort of a mistake in the um, compositing or whatever. Why don't they fire? Those helmets. They're something. They are. They are painted plastic, aren't they? <laughs> They're extremely goofy. Apparently cheaper than ears. Mm-hmm. Which makes it weird to me, because I'm still imagining them having ears under there. Which I guess yeah. is the point. Yeah. Are they supposed to be like birds? And like those are the wings which are wrapping around their ears? Oh, I think I'd... they might be. Could be. I like this... Uh... This debris idea. Mm-hmm. Shooting out a bunch of garbage and his friend's body. Like, that's that's intense. Yeah. But Spock sees through it, which I think is pretty cool. Because it's like, we have this great trick. And Spock's like, eh, it's a trick. Eh, no, it's a trick. <laughs> But what if they had hid the Millennium Falcon in that debris? <laughs> then we'd get very confused. Yeah. There's a ship in the debris. What? Okay. If you've lost track of him, he went back into the neutral zone. Let him go. But what if he comes back? What if there's a hundred of them and there's... There... All over the neutral zone. That's true. Oh, now we get a lack of lighting. And we're getting into the, uh... Everybody be really quiet. Yeah. It's like silent running sort of thing. Okay, birds, you think? I yeah, look, okay, so, so you got the wings which are going around. The back is the back of the bird, and then the front... Is the bird's head with the beak going down oh. the nose. Okay. All right. I can see that maybe being a possibility. The ship effects in this episode are terrible. <laughs> They're great. They're classic. Oh. Yeoman mm -hmm. Rand. Welcome to my quarters. Yeah. He's not bothering to get I don't anything. need anything from the galley. <laughs> I have everything I need right here. <laughs> What's this door just unlocked? Everybody's in here. Yep. McCoy's like, I heard you were having a party. It's like that episode of Mary Tyler Moore. Where she... Uh, Which one? The, none look, of, nobody locks any of their doors in any sitcom. No, but there's the, in Mary Tyler Moore, there's like one where like they're worried about her. Or something like that. I forget if she's like was depressed or something like that and she like goes home and 
I forget what the deal was. I think they, they thought she was going to commit suicide or something. So like they can't like they can't get in touch with her or anything like that. So like they one of them, I think Blue or someone goes over to her house and opens up the door and she's in her bathtub taking a bath. Right. <laughs> and he's like, okay. oh, my God, I was so worried. But then everyone else comes in and it's like one of these classic scenes. And like by the end of the scene, like the entire cast is like in her bathroom <laughs> and she's like in the bathtub and she's like, what are you people doing here? Yeah. Uh, we're missing McCoy giving a really good speech. In a very awkward composition, which is supposed to be dramatic and looks like yeah. he's in the theater. Or something. It's very, very stage play. -y. I'm gonna hold on to your arm and While look in this other, other direction. direction. <laughs> I'm gonna look toward the audience and talk about how unique you are. Bones, why aren't you looking at me? I just did your speech? Can't. Did you write your speech on my wall again? Mm -hmm. Now here's a scene where it's like, okay, we need this to happen, but at the same time. It's like this is the clumsiest thing that Spock has yeah, so ever is done. So everybody in his life. being very, very quiet. Yeah. Or is it just Spock? Like I'm gonna shut my tricorder very slowly. No, everyone's being really quiet, and then he's like, "I'm just going to." Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Ah. Uh, oh, oops. Uh, sorry. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be better if he hit his head. He was getting up. That it's weird because you need that moment because you need Styles to be like he is a Romulan, <laughs> what a jerk, you know. But at the same time, it's like, would Spock ever do that? Like, can you ever imagine another scenario in which Spock does that? No, no. Only when you needed to be quiet. If you just told Spock to just be normal, he'd be fine. But I also th am always really fascinated by like Spock's reaction to it. Because like he doesn't have emotions, but he's still thinking like, oh my God, I totally messed up there. You know, I'm it's like, how, how does a Vulcan like beat himself up for making a mistake? <laughs> they meditate. They punish themselves by meditating. I mean, it's really weird because it's like, logically, it's like what's done is done and you can't dwell on the past or whatever. But at the same time, you're constantly thinking like, I'm the reason why they're attacking us now. It's yeah. strange. But cool. I mean, that's like one of the things that makes Vulcans interesting. This is a clever idea. Sure, they didn't fall for the debris the first time, but they'll fall for a bomb in the debris. Yep. Where do they get all this debris? Just carry it, just in case. <laughs> Poor Uhura. Following the opposite direction of everybody else. The thing is, someone had to have told her to do that, right? <laughs> like, that's not Nichelle Nichols' fault. That's, that's probably not even the director's fault. That's probably the assistant director's fault. <laughs> And it costs so much for them to turn out all the lights except for the blinking red alert lights that they couldn't do another take. Reset. Wait for the lamps to heat back up. Is just like, okay, I'll sit back down again. <laughs> really, seatbelts. Seatbelts, people. It was the 60s. People didn't wear seatbelts back then. Yeah, but you think hurtling through space, you'd... Less than 100 meters away, that's like point blank. Gracious. Styles. Yes, go be useful somewhere else. <laughs> And Uhura gets to navigate. 
All right. Sulu likes that idea. <laughs> yes, he does. She'll give him a scar like his mirror universe counterpart. Back off, Sulu. Play dead again. So they don't have windows? None of them? I don't think so. I mean, do we ever see windows? On, on the, I mean, because that's the whole thing. You got the view screen, right? But Yeah, but... I mean, like, do we ever see them look out windows on the original series? We see windows in the background, at least blue screens that they fill in for the remastered. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see windows from the outside. So you think they could, like... Well, except for them being invisible. I'm asking about the Romulans. The Romulans here, they, uh... Maybe maybe Windows, uh, you know, affect the cloaking device or something. Okay, okay. Like, maybe the windows are still visible. You can see into the ship, even though the rest of it's invisible. Mm-hmm. Could be. Rude. Yep. Also, he's like a superior officer and everything. And Yeah. Spock should be able to punch him. Uh-oh. Do something. Hey, Tomlinson, look, it's a thing. <laughs> it's Joker, Gas-X, Smilex. There you go. Love that Joker. <laughs> they just showed that movie at a bunch of theaters across the country like last week. It was awesome. <laughs> I bought Bat Dance off of iTunes. Oh, I have that on my iPod too or my phone. <laughs> it's amazing. Come on, Spock. Make the pink smoke go away. This is very Star Trek too, you know. Yeah, I mean, you got you got the submarine stuff going on, which is sort of an obvious similarity. But then also, he goes into a thing to save some crew members. I guess he wasn't really saving crew members in Star Trek too, but and at the same I'm time, saving the whole crew. I guess so. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, they disable the ship, and you got. The, the Romulan captain over there on the bridge of his sinking ship. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at this. This is all very similar to Star Trek Two. I could totally see this being one of Meyer's favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's all beat up. He's kind face. of blind. Yeah. Hmm. Kirk extending mercy. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of like Kirk and Nero. It is similar to Kirk and Nero, yeah. He's Except like, that... it's not our way. And then in, in Star Trek 09, he's like, I would rather die a thousand deaths than have you help me. In a different reality, I could have called you friend. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe oh, maybe in the JJ verse they're gonna be friends. <laughs> oh, that'd work. Oh wow. Romulan commander and New Kirk. Yep. They get uh what's his name? Ben uh Chapman. Ben Cross. Ben Cross, yeah. They get him to play the <laughs> that'd be good. So how is he self-destructing if they flat out said that the, you know, do we have any nukes on board? And they're like, yeah, the, you know, we've got one around for uh, keeping the, you know, for self-destruction purposes. He's like, no, 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 throw it in the tube and we'll trick them into blowing themselves up. And you just have the warp core overheat. I mean, isn't that usually how they do it? Yeah. They blow up the warp core. I guess. Yeah. 
Way to go, Spock. Spock being logical. If Spock was really logical, he would have, you know, said, like, screw you, Styles. Let me go find <laughs> the, you know, groom and, you know, because that's who it was who died in there. It was the groom. Right. And it's like, oh, well. <laughs> Finally heard back. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. At least they address the fact that Kirk should really get in trouble for doing whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, really, it doesn't... Adding this whole couple thing, you, know, you could easily cut those parts out, and it would still be a full episode, but having it in here is just... It adds another Gives it a whole nother it. layer, yeah, yeah. A whole new depth. That you wouldn't expect. I mean, a lot of people give the original series crap. You know, it's cheesy and silly, but, you know, they thought ahead, they planned, they made good television. Look at this. Yeah. Yeah, they deal with a lot of uh, issues here. I mean, I guess, you know, when we talk about quintessential Star Trek, this is in a lot of ways that, you know, it's space battles but it's also dealing with the idea of racism and Lost. the cost of war. Yeah. The in inhumanity of war in the sense of like fighting a faceless villain, you know, war from afar, that sort of thing. And we get some of the credits over. Yeah, which is rare for um, Star Trek. Kirk just going back to work it's like well that yeah I'm sorry but that's that's, that's what happened there it goes oh John D.F. Black there he is associate producer also starring and Lawrence Montaigne and of course Grace Lee Whitney and this episode all the credit images are from this episode hmm Except for that one, Baylock. <laughs> well, they, well, that not one all too, them. right? Just the beginning ones. Oh, okay, that was cool that they stuck those in the beginning. And of course, the Orion slave girl that I don't think they'd shown at this point. <laughs> um, no, wasn't it the week before? Was the menagerie? You, it was two weeks before. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that was Balance of Terror. Yes. An episode which I, I think is, is very good, but at the same time not tremendously watchable uh, in terms of like repeated viewings and everything. It's not an episode that I throw on if I'm going to throw on an episode. You know? Right. But it's definitely worth seeing and worth discussing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it was definitely fun doing that, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week, so here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. But instead of it being a human being prejudiced against Vulcans because the Romulans look like Vulcans, the Vulcans are taking advantage of themselves looking like Romulans in order to be racist against Romulans. Earl Grey. So he's got the two armrests, and the right one says little, you know, Ensign, you know, Lamont, and the little arrow, and then the one on the, on the left says Lieutenant Commander Data. Like a little arrow. The orb. But when they pull away from that window with Jake and Kira, and they pull away from the station, it's like they're closing the book. They're, they're actually closing the back cover of the book, and it's the end of the story. To the journey! How do you feel, Char, about the Borg Queen? Oh boy. I think the longer that I have watched Star Trek, the more I'm in the camp of, I don't know if I like her. The Ready Room. They want you to come across on Archer's side where he can be mad at Trip. But I have a really hard time being Archer being mad at Trip because just think of if we still treated, you know, people of a different race like this. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. 
That can honestly be the reason they brought Wesley, because Wesley's got nothing else going for him there. I mean, yes, he can lead those kids, but that's just going to be by virtue of his age. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he's 15 years old. Of course, all the other kids are going to look up to him, at least for a while. And then if he ends up being a total tool, then they won't. Commentary, Trek stars. Yeah, yeah, well, Learning yeah. Curve was never meant to be a season one finale. They were going to do the 37s, and then UPN wanted to open season two with it, and that totally didn't work either. Man, you got you to gotta say, UPN really ooped it up. Literary Treks. What Jerry Taylor talks about with Catherine Janeway's life is it's kind of a series of her relationships. I mean, she should be doing all sorts of fantastic things, right? And instead, we're learning about her boyfriends. Melodic Treks. But there's a whole host of, of people that appear in Star Trek. As I said, most of it is classic courses for the Vivaldi, Strauss, Trojkotsky, um, Harry Kim. The 602 Club. This really does have an impact on, I think, the entire you know, comic book world. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns still have a huge impact in the way that people view batman today and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out these shows and get in on the daily trek talk you find us on itunes stitcher tune in and a whole bunch of other places or you can just stream directly from the website you can go to trek.fm slash podcast to get all those links let's tell everyone where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show just go to trek.fm slash contact there's a form there choose send a show and choose standard orbit that'll come to both of us by email you can also uh, find the tab on the left-hand column to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and our other listeners on our new Facebook group, The Babel Conference, Trek FM's listeners group. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm, and on Twitter under username trekfm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek stars with Max and John, and you can find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com doing commentary track stars off topic with Max and Drew, uh, Max and not Drew, um, Brandon. There you go. And yeah. you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. So you have too many shows where you plug your other shows. Yeah, yeah. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at 005, D O U B L E O F I V E, and on various other places around the network. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book, uh, which is based on a movie that we talked about because it's the return of the Remans and everything. Oh, also it starts off with a wedding. It's called Star Trek Nemesis. It's uh, written by J.M. Dillard, uh, narrated by Boyd Gaines. Hear it before you see the film. No, I guess okay. if you're lucky. Uh, the wedding celebration for Will Riker and Deanna Troy is interrupted when Captain Picard and crew but it are... Wasn't are called to Romulus for an emergency diplomatic mission. Yeah, it was, because they were supposed to go to Beta, Betazoid. Oh, they were supposed to have the Betazoid wedding part. Yeah. Okay. They face a threat that could lead to the destruction of the planet Earth, and Picard comes face-to-face with a man who may prove to be his most dangerous adversary yet, and a surprisingly personal nemesis. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. There's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer on our shows. 
You also find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Did you see that we have a store now? I did. Yeah, you can get a standard orbit mug if you want. Yeah, it's trekfm.spreadshirt.com. Yeah, check it out. And yeah, you can get like a Gorn t-shirt. Yes, you can. Did you order that already? Not yet. Yeah, or a Romulan t-shirt to tie into today's episode. Yep, yep, although it's next generation Romulan. Yeah, that's okay. Still Romulan. Still Romulan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the standard orbit coffee mug or coffee mugs of any of our shows. So uh, check that out. Again, that's uh, trekfm.spreadshirt.com. Yeah. Well, that was fun, Mike. Thanks for commentating with me again. You need to uh, keep your counts updated so we know when, when we've reached milestones of your commentaries. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I usually re- rely on Zarban for that. Uh, but um, I don't, I, I've lost count. Yes. <laughs> Too many. Too many right now. No, not enough. <laughs> There's still things you haven't talked over yet. A couple, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to do a Christmas episode, um, a Christmas <gasps> special movie. Oh, good. And then also Max and I have been promising for this forever. As soon as we get a chance, we are going to do a commentary for The 7% Solution, which we're going to make available to our Patreon uh, listeners. So, cool. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this commentary. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.